Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Hey, good morning. How are we all? Good? Great. Okay. You win. Fantastic to have you here this morning. We're actually in the second week of a series called Mastermind. Jared's referenced that, and we're going to take a deep dive this morning. So, so glad you're here to be part of that. Uh, This morning in our team briefing, um, I asked the team, you know, what what did you learn? And people just calling out, I learned this, I learned this, and God showed me this, and this was a breakthrough for me, and this has really helped me this week. So fantastic. I've got emails from people saying, you know, this really helped, and I learned, and just, it's so fantastic to hear after just the first week of our series of Mastermind. And so we're going to continue that this morning. If you missed last week's uh, message. You can catch that up on our podcast, available on increasingly large number of podcast platforms. And uh, here's, here's a question, and I don't want you to actually put your hand up. Things might get awkward if you do, but just ask yourself the question, have you ever or do you make, uh, how should we say, strange, um, random maybe not even helpful choices in life. Let me give you an example. For example, uh, you decide, all right, this is the week I'm going to start eating healthy. This is the week I'm going to eat clean. So Sunday afternoon, you go to the store. Thank God for Sunday trading, you say. You go to the store. You've got your shopping list with all your recipes that you're going to tell. I'm going to brown bag my lunch. No more of that stuff from the drive-thru. Okay, this is it. This is the week. And I'm getting everything ready because Monday morning, it's game on. I'm going. And so that's it. And Monday, boom, nailed it. Go to bed thinking, boy, I'm I, pin the metal on me now. I've got one day down. Things are only going to get better from here. And Tuesday, you nail it. And Wednesday, you nail it. And Thursday, that colleague that's in the next cubicle decides to bring a tray of Krispy Kremes. And you say to yourself, all right, come on. I mean, I'm on a bit of a streak right now. But look, because I'm on such a great streak, I mean, sure, what what harm's one Krispy Kreme going to do, you know, because I can just get back on it on Friday. No problem. And before you've even had time to blink, you are six Krispy Kreme deep in that tray because you've got to try all the different colors. And you think to yourself, what was I thinking? And the reality is that some of that is explained, some of that is explained by how the brain works. Our graphic in our opening uh, bumper video has this, this graphic here very intentionally that, that we might kind of zoom out in the brain and think it's just a big kind of blob of gray matter. We even use that expression, gray matter. And actually, the way the brain works is the brain has cells that, that, that actually aren't physically connected. What they do is they send electric pulses from one to another, and those electric pulses jump from brain cell to brain cell to brain cell to brain cell to brain cell. They start at one place, they end up, they go through our central nervous system, and they result in an action. Those, the, 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 the path that those uh, electric impulses follow is, is are called neural pathways, all right? So each one of these is kind of like represents what might be a neural pathway. The red goes from one place to another. The yellow from one place to another. And this is where something happens to us. It sets off those signals. Those signals travel down a pathway in our brain and result in a certain 
course of action called neural pathways. Our neural pathways begin to solidify around the age of 25. And some people think, oh, well, that's too late for me, isn't it? The good news is, and the reason we're teaching this series is, that whilst the neural pathways, our neural pathways begin to solidify around age 25, they actually can be changed. We can actually, if we put the work and the time and the commitment, we can actually create new neural pathways. It's called brain plasticity. The reason we're teaching this series is because most of life's battles, if you think that, if you understand that the thoughts we think result in actions, then the truth becomes the reality that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. And if we can change our thinking, we can actually change our lives. This week, I went to the gym. Uh, I go to the gym. Uh, on Tuesday, I went to the gym, and it's kind of my lunch hour, so I've got you know, a limited window there. And, and my, my, my protocol is simply arrive, lift, leave. That's it. No talking. I don't care what the retirees want to do. I don't have time for that. Uh, I realize you don't have to be somewhere, but I do. So I go in. I've got my headphones. They're the modern-day do not disturb sign. I put them on. Do my thing and get out. This particular day, Tuesday, I, I had to go into the change rooms before I started my, my, my session. And I had my, my, my helmet for my, it's a motorcycle helmet, but I have a 50cc Vespa. So it doesn't kind of qualify as a motorcycle helmet, but it looks like a motorcycle helmet. So I go to the change rooms and uh, I hear this, uh, this uh, stream of words come out from the corner of the change rooms. And it went something like, Hey, mate, is that effing your effing bike and the effing thing out the front? It's effing awesome. <laughs> and I, like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just getting ready to go into the gym. I'm not, I'm like, and I think, okay, there's someone talking, but they're probably talking to someone else. So I just kind of look at the corner of my eye. No, nobody else, just the guy and me in the change rooms. I'm thinking, well, he's probably on the phone. So I look for a phone. No phone. So I did what only one would do in that situation, I assumed he may actually be talking to me. And so I kind of look at him, and he goes, hey, the and bike out the and front. I think it's an and Kawasaki with the and forks and the and paint job with the and thing on the back. It's and awesome. It's the most ugliest but awesome effinest thing I've ever seen in the and world, mate. <laughs> and I just looked at him like, Now, understand, I'm not precious. I went to an all-boys high school. These are not new words for me. I actually, when he got to the end of his sentence, I actually hadn't quite deciphered what he was asking me. I had to mentally slice out every second and third word that he said, which happened to be the same word, before I could actually kind of put his sentence together. And I realized, oh, oh. He's asking me if the very nice motorbike out the front with the nice paint job and the nice forks, that's probably a wonderful Kawasaki, if that belongs to me. Which is hilarious because I ride a 50cc Vespa. Uh, Paul 
Paul, one of the heavyweights of the early church, he gives us a very similar instruction that we need to actually develop filters for what comes at us in order for our mind to work at God's best and therefore in turn downstream for our lives to produce God's best. So I wanna take us to a slice of a letter that Paul wrote. If you've got our app, you can tap the Bible title. It's gonna take you to a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. Now, uh, fun fact, Paul was writing this from a prison and when you read this letter, you won't see him moaning or complaining or asking them to come and give him a jailbreak. One of the slices that he wrote was about thinking. Now, last week, uh, those of you that here, I gave some homework, the Mastermind Bible Plan. How many of you have started your homework? Good students, good students. The rest of you, dunces. You have time, though, because I recommended that you jump in there sometime through these four-week series, Mastermind. If you're in that uh, Bible plan, you will have noticed that there's five or six kind of Bible passages each day. It's a seven-day plan each day. And um, the majority of them come from letters that Paul wrote to various churches. In other words, the, the, the topic of the mind and how we think and what we think about and, and, and in the encouragement to think about what you think about. Paul, for Paul, that wasn't a marginal topic. It wasn't something that he referenced in some cursory manner once to one church in one letter. He came back to it again and again and again to church after church after church. And those same rules, those same lessons, that same instruction, the same encouragement that Paul wrote to those churches is very much in play today. And in fact, I would go so far as to say they're actually more in play now in 21st century Western culture than ever before. So here's the slice of that letter. Summing it all up, so this is towards the end of the letter. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best. Now, just a little pause there. This part of Paul's letter only applies to people that actually want to do or experience God's best. So if that's not you, Tune out, fine. Pop open Instagram. It'll keep you busy for 20 minutes. But if you want to experience God's best, I'd say to you, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Now, let me roll them out again. True, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, things not to curse. How many of you would like to have those thoughts running through your mind? Does that sound like a pretty good kind of shopping list for like, yeah, I think I'll take that package of thoughts. <laughs> Here's what is vital to understand. Paul wasn't actually referencing things we think about. He was referencing things we put in our mind and the impact that those things will ultimately have on what we think about. This, is Paul, this isn't Paul's downstream list the outcome of our thoughts. This is Paul's upstream list. 
that, we, that what we experience downstream is predicated on what we put in upstream. So he gives us not a downstream list. We, I, I, you, I want you to experience noble and true and gracious thoughts. No, uh, uh, he says, I want you, you'll do your best by filling your minds, by you first upstream filling your minds with things like noble and true and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious thoughts. Think about things upstream. Put the best in, not the worst. Put things in your mind that are the beautiful, not the ugly. Put things in your mind that are worthy of praise, not things to curse. These are not thought goals. These are input instructions. And now. Life will always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts, but our strongest thoughts are determined by what we put in. Let me unpack that. Uh, I, uh, my hobby is endurance, sports, and there's a saying, and you can get various versions of the T-shirt, uh, you can't outrun a bad diet. It looks uh, maybe... Uh, a little bit like this, uh, Johnny. If uh, you if you can't outrun a bad diet, what physically speaking, what we put into our bodies, ha- upstream, your mouth, <laughs> has consequences for what you experience downstream. I'm not talking about your poo. I'm talking about your health. I'm talking about your energy levels. I'm talking what. And, and you can't outrun a bad diet. Well, as much as it's true for us physically and with nutrition, it's also true mentally. You can't outthink a bad diet. You, we cannot, this is it, this is the reality. We cannot expect to have a thought life filled with God's best thoughts if we're not first consistently putting into our minds, upstream, the best stuff to begin with. It's impossible. The byline for this series is change your thinking, change your life, but changing our thinking happens upstream. It's an upstream issue. Paul says you do best by filling your minds with this stuff. Fill your minds with this stuff. And then he gives us a checklist. Here's a checklist. True. Noble, this is still Ronald McDonald. Uh, Reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to... This is not confusing. There is no ambiguity here. It's like, hmm, okay, Paul, I wonder then what things I should put in my mind. There's no gray area here. This is, this is straight up. He gives us a, li- a checklist. Man, and it's been preserved for 2,000 years so you and I, we can access Paul's checklist for how we can experience God's best in our life. How great is that? Thank you, Jesus. And what this hopefully helps us understand is that you and I, we have far more control over our thoughts than we may have ever actually imagined. 
Because we actually have control about the upstream stuff. We have control over the input. We have control over what we fill our minds with. You know, oh, no, I, come on, no, no, I don't. It just stuff just comes at me. No, yes, stuff comes at you, like my friend Freddie F bomb in the gym. But you still have the power to filter. I'll call it curation. And curation means taking some stuff out and then putting some stuff in so that you're left with the stuff that's the best. That's the art of curation. So Paul's encouragement is upstream, make sure you're curating what's going in to your mind, what you're filling your mind with. Now, I thought I'd put myself out there as the crash test dummy. Not because I'm perfect at this, because I'm not. But I thought, look, let me just use myself as an example of how I endeavor to curate stuff upstream in order to experience something resembling God's best thoughts in my head that hopefully has some bearing on experiencing God's best in my actual life. So here's some of the ways that I've curated things upstream. Let's start with social media. Now, social media is a reasonably new phenomenon. 10, 15 years ago, and it's probably gained its maximal traction in the last five years. The big players, you probably know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat comes and goes. That's a pun. Uh, Snapchat people will get that. So here's a few things I've done. You know, one of the goals of social media is to compete for your attention. Social media only works if the social media app, the platform, can get your attention. If they don't have your attention, it it doesn't exist. So they're in a constant competition for your and my attention. Well, that's a problem. You've got to understand that. And and, and if you're not even necessarily kind of putting some guardrails in place for how much attention you're willing to give the actual platforms, let alone what's the actual platforms, then you've given away some of the upstream input license to someone else. So I've deleted uh, the apps from my mobile devices, no social media apps on my tablet, no social media apps on my phone. And uh, hey, presto, that's actually got me back quite a lot of time each day. Um, I use uh, Facebook. I no longer post to them. That's a privacy issue. That's a personal choice. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but uh, I check that maybe once a day, twice a day. Mark Zuckerberg reminds me whose uh, birthday it is, and then I decide whether I could care less. And uh, then I, well, because I've got 1,500 friends, but they're not all actual friends' friends, so they don't all get a birthday message from Mark, uh, but some of you do because you're my real friends. And, uh, but that's about it. I used to have 4,500 friends on Facebook. I spent a portion of my life and my soul that I'll never get back, getting that down to under 1,500. Uh, and um, then even some of those left, most of those left, whilst we're still friends, I then check, what you can do is you can check unfollow so none of their rubbish comes through uh, on my feed and start to curate it. Now, I've got some people on Facebook who are my friends and I like some of what they post, so I haven't deleted them. And I haven't unfollowed them. But some of the stuff that comes through doesn't meet this checklist. 
So I ask myself, why do I want my eyeballs on this stuff? And why am I giving over the license upstream to somebody else? And so two months ago, I was reading uh, an article in one of my news apps. I'll come back to that. And um, they're, you know, they're clickbaity headlines. And this clickbaity headline said something like, uh, you can choose what you see on Facebook without unfollowing people. And I was like, all right, sounds like a master play. Pro move. Let's check it out. So I read the article. Guess what? Did you know? Did you know that for every post that, that comes on the, the Facebook feed onto your page, in the top right-hand corner, just above the post, are little three dots. And if you click them, one of the options that it will give you is hide this post. And you can hide that, just hide it. The person that posted it never, will never know that you've given the, the, the bird to their post. Just, they never know. And then you hide the next one that doesn't meet this checklist. And then from someone else, and then someone else, and you go, doesn't meet this checklist. Just keep hiding. And what happens is the algorithm, the social media algorithm, learns about stuff that you're actually interested in. So the app starts to reward you, starts to actually work in concert with you for what's coming down the line upstream. See, I wouldn't have even, this wouldn't have made a message 10 years ago because you'd be like, Facebook, what's that? But now you get it. So, that, so I've done that. And so now I don't even know what I'm missing. And I'm still alive. It's a miracle. <laughs> News. Here's one. Now, years ago, I made the decision to stop watching news on television because the problem with watching news on television is you're giving the license to the editor of the news station to what they put in front of your eyeballs upstream. And I'm like, no, that's my choice. Well, it's not your choice if you just sit there and watch the news. The choice has been made for you. That's someone telling you what they think should be important to you. Another home invasion in insert suburb. Why do, I, why do I need to know that? It, 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 if it doesn't meet this checklist, you know, well, th that didn't meet the checklist. Yeah, but you've already seen it. You've already watched it. So, I, so I, instead of watching the news, I read the news. But I don't read all the news. So I have two apps. This is, so again, I'm not saying this is what you should do. I'm just saying crash this dummy mode up here. These are some of what I've done to curate upstream. I have two news apps. That's it, just two. In the news apps, on uh, your devices, you can actually choose topics. Oh, I'm interested in uh, politics. Ch check that one at your uh, own risk. Uh, I, I'm interested in uh, NBA basketball. I'm interested in NFL football. I'm interested in whatever it is. And you, you check sort of your master, master list. And then each day, that those apps will actually push through some content, but they only show you the headlines. So even then, you have the choice to curate which of those headlines you click. And if you don't, you're not actually seeing the article. And you can just keep scrolling. Those apps also, like Facebook, give you the opportunity to click a button to say, see more of this or see less of this. And they learn, machine learning. The apps start to figure out not just what you like about politics, but what actually is important to you. And they won't even bother putting into your feed over time some of the stuff you're not interested in. Now, <clears throat> listen very carefully. 
I am not talking about setting yourself up for life in a bubble, okay? Because some of how we grow is exposing ourselves to stuff that's a little bit outside of our lane, okay? So that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is content that doesn't pass Paul's checklist. You can actually read stuff in politics. This is going to sound like one of God's greatest miracles. You can actually read stuff about politics in the news that ticks a lot, if not all of those boxes, about some great government initiatives, about some great laws that are being put forward, about some, some moves from me. And I'm like, because that's not the stuff that you hear on the 6 p.m. nightly news. No, you hear about the egg boy and you hear about just, you know, just ScoMo invading Bill Shorten's personal space, whatever that's about. It's just like, and I only knew that because the F-bomb guy told me about that. Hey, Jeff, and see what Scott Morrison effing did to Bill Shorten, effing. That's fake news. (laughs) He didn't say, he doesn't doesn't watch the news. Uh, TV shows, here we go. Here we go. Buckle up, people. This is about to get a little bit uncomfortable for some of you. Maths. Madness at first sight, I think it stands for. Love Island. In case you missed it, those two shows tick none of these boxes. All right? None. None. No one. None. And, and you go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't affect me. No, look, if you think it doesn't affect you, you don't understand how the mind works. <laughs> well, I'm immune to that sort of stuff. No, you're not. Jared is. He's a cyborg. But the rest, <laughs> the rest of us, he can just be reprogrammed at, a, at, a, at this like, <laughs> write some new code. He's good. But you and I... Our brains will start to be rewired by some of the, it's upstream stuff. I like cooking shows. I do not watch My Kitchen Rules. I like Pete Evans and Manu Fadoodle. I love them, but I don't watch that show because it's become less about the cooking and more about the stupidity. So I don't watch MasterChef. I will binge MasterChef because MasterChef, guess what? It's a cooking show about cooking. And it's very encouraging, and it's about developing. And they, yeah, they're honest that food that food wasn't great, but then they try to help them. What you do? I love that. Master Chef ticks most of these boxes. MKR, it's awful. They're talking about who's had Botox, and so I was like, if the if the goat I'm eating's had Botox, yeah, sure, I want to know that. But otherwise, no. Here's another one, people. Some of the people I used to expose myself to, but I, got, I, had, to, I had to actually acknowledge, all right, people, bring it back. I had to actually acknowledge that, that, that some of what they were saying and the influence that they were having on my life didn't tick these boxes and it was having an upstream impact on my thought life, not in the direction of God's best. So I had to curate. I've got some people who are used to be very close friends who are no longer very close. I'm not claiming I'm better than them. I'm not claiming that I'm judging them. I'm just saying I had to actually move away from them 
as being in the epicenter of my life because of the toxic impact that they had because they didn't talk and focus on things that were true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious, the best, the beautiful, and things to praise. Books. Some of what we read, some of you don't read books, I know, but you, but you should. And by the way, I was so encouraged uh, last week. We, we had two books, Rob Mason's book, Shame Off You. Louis is going to show you these in a, in a bit. And uh, Bill Johnson's book, When God uh, Becomes Real. And we just about sold out of them, and we're going to buy some more. Now, we buy them and sell them at cost. This isn't a profit-making exercise. This is a, hey, if we can get some stuff in your hands that's going to tick these boxes... And that is, that is time and money well spent. I think Elevate even loses money on this. Don't tell our board, but that's a true story. <laughs> and then there's this one, the Bible. Save the best for last, people. <laughs> last week I talked about something that Paul wrote that we, the devil's best to keep us from God's best, the devil's best plan is to actually build strongholds around us to actually fence us in. And those strongholds are made by bricks whose raw materials is lies. And over time, we believe the lies and the stronghold gets built and we get actually imprisoned from the inside. Elsewhere, Paul writes about the weapons that we have against them and he talks about a breastplate of righteousness and he talks about the belt of truth. And it, one of the things he talks about in, in these weapons that he talks about that we have against the devil's best tactics, there's one weapon that's offensive and it's the sword. And the sword is God's word. And Paul says the way that we actually defeat these strongholds, which by the way are made from a raw material of bricks that are made out of lies, is by attacking them with the truth of God's word. And the lies can't stand up against the truth of God's word. And last week, I made a, a little bit of a, kind of a little bit of a push to say, if you don't know much of God's word, then you're basically coming at the devil's strongholds empty-handed and not in a Bruce Lee kind of way, in an actual I don't know karate kind of way. <laughs> and the devil's just standing on the other side of the wall and he knows that you're actually helpless. And so he just keeps putting more bricks in front of you. Another lie. And you're on the inside going, boy, I really wish I could fight my way out of here. If only I had a weapon. And God says, it's here. It's called the Bible. I made people write it down. And you just need to read it and read it and learn it. And as you learn it, then apply it. And as you apply it, those strongholds start to come down because lies can't stand up against God's truth. 15 years ago-ish, Louis, who's full-blooded Italian, born in Australia to two Italian migrants. She hadn't been back to the old country, age 26 at the time, and most of her family still live over there. And so I thought, well, it's time to go. Let's go. So we got on a plane. We went to the old country and spent four weeks there. And uh, I'm not a big talker. I'm an introvert. I mean, I talk here, and that's kind of my words for the week. Um, and uh, which you'd think, so I went to Italy not understand, not speaking a word of Italian, pizza, cappuccino, okay, that's about it, and therefore not understanding a word of Italian. So for four weeks, I sat there, and conversations were flying all around me, and I didn't understand a single one of them. And again, as an introvert, you might think, boy, that sounds like a dream. That sounds like what heaven should look like to me. I just, I get to spend the rest of eternity not having to talk with people, but... but <laughs> But the problem actually was that I wanted to find out more about them. And I, and I didn't have the language. 
And so I'd say, hey, Louie, can you ask your uncle? And after that got real old, there became some marital tension with me using Louie as my United Nations interpreter. (laughs) And and so we got back on the plane and I I made the decision to myself that I was going to teach myself Italian and that we were going to go back regularly as often as as time and money would allow and that I was going to teach myself the language so that I would be able to both understand the language and speak the language. And so I got busy. Uh, learning the language. And here's what happens when you first start learning a language. Because, by the way, because of brain plasticity. (laughs) If you've learned languages, you know what I'm talking about. Someone will speak to you in that language. So I'm going to say Italian English. Someone would speak to me in Italian. I would have to then translate that from Italian into English before I could probably understand what they said to me. And before I could respond to them in Italian, I had to compose my full sentence in English, translate that in my head into Italian, and then speak that. That was a very, very exhausting process for everybody because they would ask me a question and three minutes might go by before I could compose the answer. And it might have been, where would you like to sit for dinner? However, the more consistent I was in learning the language, the more consistent I was in using the language, the more consistent I was in exposing myself to the language, to Italian, in all these various mediums, the more my brain started to cooperate, the more new neural pathways. I actually developed Italian-speaking neural pathways that I wasn't born with, that I didn't grow up with, People say, oh, I'm not good at learning languages. You learned the language you just told me that in, so don't tell me you're not good at learning languages. You don't understand that your brain will work with you, but it takes time and consistency of application. We haven't been in about the last 10 years. Shame on us, I know. And my Italian language skills are much worse now than they were when we were going there several times a year 10 years ago. Because if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So you go, well, I used to read the Bible. Yeah, okay. Great. Well, what about now? I used to know a lot of God's word. I was brought up in kids' church. Yeah, but what about now? Have you still got those weapons in your hand now? Do you still think in the language of heaven now? Or do you have to spend so much time translating from the lie to the, the is that really a lie? Is that, has God got some sort of truth? And if he does, how do I uh, apply that? By the time that's all gone, you're probably experiencing the downstream impact of the lie in the first place. So one, <laughs> if I could give you all a million bucks each to say, for your sake, for you to experience God's best, I will give you a million bucks each, if you will, read your Bible at least five times a week. Let's not get carried away, people. <laughs> for the next two, three weeks. And at the end, show me your homework, and I'll give you a million bucks. And I guarantee you, if I put that offer on the table... I'm pretty sure most of you would take that because you'd think, it's a pretty good offer. Well, I, I, I don't have a million bucks to give each one of you. 
Donald Trump does, but I don't. Uh, I got something better. God's best, which is something money can't buy. So here's what I would encourage you to do, if you don't yet. And if you do, keep it up. Read your Bible. Well, not from a guilt, shame, guilt. You're, you're not really a follower of Jesus if you don't kind of crap that people peddle. It's, there's some downstream rewards, which is about living out God's best. That if you trace that passage, it's about thinking God's best, which is actually predicated on upstream us inputting God's best. And if we don't start this consistently, the other stuff, that's just the things your friends are going to experience. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app available wherever you download your apps.